from NebraskaExaminer.com. Water woes from lead pipes and nitrates to too little water aired in Nebraska legislature. Blair officials worry that massive biotech campus will lose out on $300 million expansion. This is by Paul Hamill from March 13, 2023. And if you have any opinion on this topic of threats to Nebraska water or really anything else going on that you'd like to bring up that's of a uh, conservative movement controversy concern, phone number here is 402-474-5086. Lincoln. Lead in water service lines to older homes in Omaha. Nitrate levels too high going biotech campus in Blair. Let alone for uh, drinking and uh, irrigation as well. My own comments. Uh, water woes aplenty were aired Monday at the Nebraska legislature with several senators seeking state funds to address them. $300 million expansion possible. Blair officials joined with State Senator Ben Hansen to seek $30 million in funding to help it and similar cities expand their drinking water supplies. Hansen said, a fallout of the success of the massive Cargill Novoisiemez best I can do on that name Corn processing campus in Blair, which provides 2,000 jobs, has been the need for additional water. Right now, Cargill contracts for 15.5 million gallons of water per day from Blair's water system, which has a capacity of 20 million gallons a day and supplies water to about half of Washington County. But the Missouri River community north of Omaha is being eyed for a $300 million expansion of the biotech campus, which would bring another 300 good-paying jobs. The expansion will require another 7 million gallons of water a day, Blair officials said. Let's see, Blair's water system has a capacity of 20 million gallons a day. Cargill uh, uses 15.5 million gallons of water per day. So in order to uh, get another 7 million gallons, well, it seems like the Blair water system doesn't have enough uh, water to uh, supply uh, half of Washington County and Cargill all at the same time. Back to the article. Blair Public Works Director Al Shoemaker said the community of 7,800 is seeking state help to keep its water rates low so the expansion project chooses Blair rather than locations in Fort Dodge, Iowa or South Dakota. Quote, We need to keep our water rates as competitive as possible, Shoemaker told members of the Legislative Appropriations Committee. 
Revolving Loan Fund. Under Legislative Bill 672, proposed by Hansen, a $30 million revolving loan fund would be set up through the Nebraska Department of Environment and Energy to help communities expand water systems. Up to 50% of the loan could be forgiven. Shoemaker said inflation and supply chain issues have escalated the cost of the water expansion project in Blair to about $44 million, with the city hoping to obtain $18 million from a state loan fund. Fees paid by Cargill would repay the loan costs, he said. The project includes installing a new intake from the Missouri River to handle new lower flows during the winter, Shoemaker said. State Senator Christy Armendez of Omaha questioned why the state needed to provide funds to attract the business expansion. I feel like we're paying people to come here, Armendariz said. Maybe we shouldn't blink first when negotiating. Hansen said that in luring the $300 million expansion, it's not a question of blinking first, but who's going to help them more? The other water bills presented to the Appropriations Committee were LB613 from Omaha Senator Mike McDonald. This bill would transfer $45 million from the state's cash reserve to help owners of older homes, mostly in eastern Omaha, afford costly replacement of lead service lines. The work costs an average of $8,000 per home, with about 16,000 homes east of 72nd Street built prior to 1940, and mostly in low-income neighborhoods requiring replacement of lead service lines that extend from city water mains to homes. Metropolitan Utilities District officials said their current replacement program is reaching only 200 homes a year. So, LB613, coupled with an expected $140 million from President Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, would significantly accelerate the work. Replacing lead pipes is a major goal of the IRA, it's the Inflation Reduction Act. Lead poisoning has been linked to health problems in children, including reduced IQs and hyperactivity. Now on to the nitrates. Reverse osmosis systems. LB-766, introduced by Niobrara Senders Barry Decay, as amended, would provide about $3.3 million to expand a state program that grants funds for installing reverse osmosis systems in residences with nitrate levels of higher than 10 parts per million. Decay said the systems cost between $500 and $5,000 each. Last year, the legislature allocated $4 million for such reverse osmosis systems, but the committee was told Monday that applications only began in January and only 25 have been received so far. 
Then there's LB571 from Central City Senator Lauren Lipcott. The measure would provide $750,000 a year to operate a state well inspection program that was transferred to the NDEE from the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services. Advocates said the program is essential for keeping surface water from contaminating groundwater through improper well installations. And uh, LB534, sponsored by Sterling Senator Julie Slama, up to $150 million in American Rescue Plan Act, ARPA, funds, would be allocated to help smaller communities dealing with high nitrates in groundwater to upgrade their water systems. And uh, if you want to read that article, it can be found under the headline Water Woes from Lead Pipes and Nitrates to Too Little Water, aired in Nebraska Legislature. That can be found on NebraskaExaminer.com. Then, report suggests that litter from chicken farms has upped contamination of water. Official with processing plants says study admits it can't accurately measure fluctuations of contaminants. This is by Paul Hamill, December 6, 2022, from NebraskaExaminer.com. Speaking of nitrates and phosphates in the water supply, as well as uh, pathogens, Lincoln, a new report suggests that manure-laced litter removed from chicken barns, raising millions for, of chickens for Costco, is increasing contamination of some nearby streams in eastern Nebraska. The three-year-long study, facilitated by the environmental group, JGC Resolve and the Nebraska Farmers Union Foundation calls for increased testing of contaminants such as phosphorus and nitrogen in streams as well as sharper oversight over the spreading of the litter which is used as fertilizer. Can't pretend this isn't happening. Quote, this does alert us that we need to do enhanced studies and we no longer need to pretend this isn't happening, said Graham Christensen of GC Resolve, a regenerative agriculture group that sought the report. But an official with Lincoln Premium Poultry, which operates the processing plant in Fremont, Nebraska, that provides chickens to Costco, said late Monday that company growers, quote, adhere to the highest level of accountability and utilize precision equipment to apply litter nutrients at responsible and appropriate application rates. Report questioned. Jessica Coulterman, Director of Administration for the Poultry Firm, said the new report even acknowledges that, quote, without knowing the quantity and frequency with which poultry litter is being applied, contaminant fluctuations cannot be meaningfully estimated. End quote. 
Christensen of JC Resolve said concerned citizens sought the study due to skepticism about assurances that the dry litter, which must be removed from floors of the massive chicken barns periodically, would not leach contaminants into nearby waterways. Oh yes, you've got to got to change the chicken litter just like you change the cat litter. <clears throat> he said that three years of monitoring of seven locations where the litter was deposited, both upstream and downstream of the sites, suggests that the assurances haven't held up. The report stated that counts for selected pathogens like E. coli and entero Cocky violated the acceptance limits established by the Environmental Protection Agency in almost 80% of the samples taken during the study period. Levels of orthophosphate were up to 10 times higher than typical levels of total phosphorus, and concentrations of nitrogen exceeded normal levels even more. So, not surprised. I am so not surprised, said John Hansen of the Nebraska Farmers Union. It is consistent, he said, with water contamination found in areas of high concentration of chicken barns in Arkansas and the South. The report conducted by a private engineer, Matt Sutton, and financed by a community foundation that Christensen said had asked to be unnamed, was labeled as tentative and not broad enough or long enough to draw definite conclusions. But the report concluded that more detailed study is required to determine responsibility of increased contaminant loads, including DNA testing to track the contamination to a specific source. Hansen and Christensen said the findings should be enough to prompt state regulators to increase testing and oversight. <clears throat> long overdue. They should come to the table now and address issues and concerns. It's long overdue, Christensen said. A spokeswoman for the Nebraska Department of Environment and Energy said Monday afternoon that the agency had just been presented with the report and had not been approached about its development. Quote, for that reason, the agency will read the study and take into account any sound science included before providing a response, said spokeswoman Amanda Wyota. Costco plant opened in 2019. Three years ago, Lincoln Premium Poultry opened a $280 million chicken processing plant in Fremont designed to slaughter up to 2 million birds a week for Costco. The broilers are destined for the big box store's popular $4.99 roasted chicken special, considered a loss leader for the stores. The plan was halted by state leaders for its estimated $1.2 billion yearly economic impact, which included purchases... Oh, <clears throat> not halted. The plant was hailed by state leaders for its estimated $1.2 billion yearly economic impact, which included purchases of grain. Costco's arrival has also spawned a spin-off automation business. Some residents opposed the project as a risk to the environment due to the millions of pounds of chicken manure generated. Others have questioned how much it would benefit Nebraskans. Most of the barns are owned by out-of-state investors. The new study looked at seven locations in Burt, Butler, Dodge, Seward, and Washington counties where the litter manure mix was spread on farm fields. 
study sites selected were dissected by a waterway. Stream health is compromised. Testing was done both upstream and downstream of the sites to get an idea about whether the litter was the main contributor. Data obtained in the study, the study shows that stream health is compromised, concluded the report. Steve Martin of the Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska, AFAN, said the poultry industry in Nebraska is much bigger than just Costco, and his reading of the data found contaminant levels. Well, what does he know? Among the recommendations from Sutton was to maintain better documentation of litter application rates and locations, improve public transparency of water quality, and increase use of buffer strips and cover crops to reduce erosion and resulting runoff of contaminants. And apparently this Steve Martin of the Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska, AFAN, was just poo-pooing the whole thing and said, quote, so they're not really making their case, Martin said. Well, in response to Martin, have another article. <clears throat> Researcher says data on contaminants linked to chicken barn litter was misinterpreted. This is by Paul Hamill also from December 12, 2022. Nebraska Examiner.com. Lincoln, the researcher whose report on contamination of eastern Nebraska streams associated with litter removed from huge chicken barns that supply, of, supply poultry to Costco, says his findings were misinterpreted by supporters of the barns. Matt Sutton, a Des Moines-based geologist, said three years of research provided an indication that the manure-laced litter applied to crop fields next to waterways was the cause of spikes of contaminants such as phosphorus. Spikes associated with poultry pathogens. The most recent spikes, his 38-page report stated, coincided with rises in pathogens associated with poultry litter, which suggested that the source of the added contaminants was litter from poultry barns built to supply chickens to Costco. Sutton said the additional testing, including said that additional testing, including DNA tests, can pinpoint the source of contaminants and determine how widespread it might be. Quote, the local communities are definitely concerned, he said. Most of the seven sites tested in Burt Butler, Dodge, Seward, and Washington counties involved waterways that flow into the Platte River, a river basin where the cities of Omaha and Lincoln pump drinking water via wells. Chicken barn supporters questioned data. Representatives of the Lincoln Premium Poultry, which operates the chicken processing plant at Fremont that supplies chickens to Costco, and a pro-agriculture group criticized Sutton's study as missing the mark and unable to track whether the litter was being overapplied or applied at all. Jessica Colterman of Lincoln Premium Poultry said that farmers use precision equipment to apply the appropriate levels of the litter, and that the new report acknowledged that, quote, without knowing the quantity and frequency with which poultry litter is being applied, contaminant fluctuations cannot be meaningfully estimated. End quote. 
Sutton said that quote came from the recommendations portion of the report and was misread as a result of his studies. So you see, they couldn't predict in the future what the different levels would actually achieve. Several recommendations. That recommendation was that the state should require updates of nutrient management plans of the chicken barns so that it can accurately track any changes in locations of litter deposits and the rates at which it is deposited. The report also recommended several suggestions, stepped-up monitoring of contaminants in streams, the use of buffer strips to prevent runoff of contaminants, and a review of the level of phosphorus being deposited on fields. The purpose of the report, which was initiated by the Sustainable Agriculture Group, GC Resolve, and aided by the Nebraska Farmers Union Foundation, was to track the impact of the hundreds of chicken barns built in the past three years to supply Costco with its popular rotisserie chicken. Lincoln Premium Poultry opened its $280 million chicken processing plant in Fremont in 2019, it is designed to slaughter up to 2 million birds a week for Costco. While the plant was hailed by state leaders for its estimated $1.2 billion yearly economic impact, critics have worried about the potential risk to the environment due to the millions of pounds of chicken manure generated. And that story can be found under the headline research researcher data on contaminants linked to chicken barn litter was misinterpreted. You see, the uh, chicken barn proponents said, well, saying you can't uh, say exactly what the levels would be, and it was because uh, he was saying, yeah, in the future, I can't say exactly what the levels would be. So it wasn't really a gotcha. And after the half-hour break, we'll be uh, talking about the Keystone Pipeline and the uh, attempts to uh, not drain the Okalala Aquifer. This is the Servative Hour. I'm Brian Mary, broadcasting on uh, the station KZUM. And this is KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD 89.3 FM, KZUM.org online. And the Servative Hour is followed by the Groove Machine, which is on from midnight until 2 a.m. Wednesday morning. Also, the weather at this time... <coughs> now 42 degrees Fahrenheit, clear skies, tomorrow predicted to be much warmer than today, low tonight 38 degrees Fahrenheit, tomorrow a high of 66 degrees Fahrenheit, with uh, winds south at 20 to 30 miles per hour with gusts occasionally over 40 miles per hour, but then tomorrow night... 76% chance of precipitations, windy early with rain developing later uh, with a low of 42 degrees that night predicted. And now the station identification.
Support for KZUM comes from the E.N. Thompson Forum on World Issues. Presenting How Design Thinking Saves Lives, Lessons on Innovation, Leadership, and Resilience with Jane Chen, co-founder and CEO of Embrace Global. Tuesday, March 28th at 7 p.m. at the Lead Center. More information at enthompson.unl.edu. This is KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD online at kzum.org. KZUM has been the voice of the community since 1978 and welcomes everyone's opinion. However, any editorials presented on this station are those of the commentators. The opinions expressed in our programming do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, the management, or the Sunrise Communications Board of Directors. Keystone Oil Pipeline was pushed to bounds of its permit before Kansas spill. Oh, the topic, I should re-announce the topic. Uh, this is uh, Threats to Nebraska Water. And if you'd like to call in, be on the air, express your point of view. The phone number is 402-474-5086. All right, so from NebraskaExaminer.com from March 14th, 2023, an article from today by Allison Kite. Keystone Oil Pipeline was pushed to bounds of its permit before Kansas spill. Topeka. The Keystone Oil Pipeline was operating at the bounds of, it, of its permit when it burst and released almost 13,000 barrels of oil in northern Kansas, an executive from the company said Tuesday. Gary Salzman, vice president of field operations for TC Energy, which owns the Keystone Pipeline, testified before a joint meeting of two Kansas House committees. He fielded pointed questions from lawmakers about the cause of the spill, the cleanup, and their concerns about TC Energy's transparency. Salzman assured the, or is that, yes, Salzman assured the committee that no spills are acceptable to the company and that its response team will remain at the site of the spill, which turned Mill Creek black. These response efforts will continue until we have fully remediated the site, Salzman said. But on questions of how long cleanup will take, why spills on the Keystone Pipeline are becoming more frequent, and how much longer a month-long no-fly zone for drones will prevent news media and other interested parties from viewing the site, Salzman had little to share. (coughs) The TC TC Energy, based in Canada, is still reviewing the root cause of the spill, which involved a welding flaw that burst under stress of a bending pipe. We understand what happened, Salzman said. At this point, we don't understand why. Salzman said TC Energy expects to find out more about that in the next few weeks. The Keystone Pipeline runs 2,687 miles and carries crude oil from Canada to the U.S., It splits just north of the Kansas-Nebraska border, with one route cutting across northeast Kansas before running through Missouri and into Illinois. The one that burst runs south through the middle of Kansas and ends in Texas. The spill, first estimated to be 14,000 barrels, or 588,000 gallons, 
but the company revised that estimate to 12,937 barrels. It is the largest spill in the decade plus that the pipeline has been in operation. Salzman said the company has recovered more than 95% of the oil that was released. TC Energy has paid just more than $300,000 in fines for more than 20 previous spills. That's 0.2% of the more than $111 million in property damage resulting from those spills. <coughs> hmm. So the company that owns and runs the pipeline has paid just 0.2% of the $111 million of the property damage that's resulted from these spills. Mm. Transparency. During his testimony, Salzman was lauded by some committee members for TC Energy's transparency following the spill. Representative Sandy Pickard, Republican, Wichita, thanked Salzman for the frequent updates the company posted in the early days after the spill. Quote, so the lesson would be that if something like this happens in my area, I can get online and find out, she said. But Salzman failed to answer pointed questions from Representative Lindsey Vaughn, Democrat, Overland Park, and Representative John Carmichael, a Democrat, Wichita. Carmichael asked Salzman when he expected the work to be done. Salzman responded that TC Energy would be on site until the area is fully remediated. I understand, Carmichael said. My question is, when do you currently expect to complete this work? Salzman said it would take, quote, a few months to complete major cleanup with an additional few months of effort after that. Carmichael continued to press Salzman, saying, uh, landowners and citizens are concerned about this. When should we expect to be done? Carmichael asked again. Salzman replied, a representative, unfortunately, that's not entirely within our control. Carmichael concluded, the answer is, you don't know. Salzman said the cleanup would be done in accordance with standards set by the Environmental Protection Agency and the Kansas Department of Health and Environment. Again, Carmichael said, the answer is, you don't know. Vaughn raised concerns about the rising number and increasing severity of spills along the Keystone Pipeline, citing a 2021 Government Accountability Office report. She asked Salzman, what the company makes of that trend and what it's doing to avoid future spills. Salzman offered again that no spills are acceptable to the company and always goes above and beyond in responding to emergencies. Vaughn pressed Salzman about why spills are becoming more frequent and worse. Salzman said again, these incidents aren't acceptable and that safety is the company's highest priority but he said the company can always do better. I've been with this company 25 years, he said, and we always do the right thing. Following the morning House committee meeting, Salzman and other executives from TC Energy hurried out the door and refused to answer follow-up questions. 
They evaded journalists down three floors of the Kansas State House. Reporters were told to direct follow-up questions about air and water quality, access to the site, and the timeline for cleanup to a catch-all media email inbox. The company didn't immediately answer Kansas Reflector's follow-up questions. Well, what caused the spill? TC Energy announced last month that it had completed a metallurgical analysis showing the pipeline burst was caused by a flaw in welding that under the strain of bending stress on the pipe, burst. But it's still in the middle of an analysis of why those conditions were present. Salzman said the section of pipe that burst was installed in 2011 and original to the pipeline. Pipelines in the U.S. are limited under federal regulations in terms of the pressure they can exert to move oil through pipelines. That regulation limits pipelines to operate at 72% of the maximum pressure the metal can withstand. But, under a special permit, Keystone is allowed to operate at 80% of the maximum pressure, pressure according to the 2021 GAO, General Accounting Office, report. When the pipe burst, it was pushing the limits of that waiver, operating at 1,153 pounds per square inch, Salzman said. That equates to 80.07% of the maximum. That would be 0.0% over what they are allowed to operate it at. Uh, 80% of the maximum, 1,440 pounds per square inch. Salzman didn't acknowledge that, but said the pipeline was operating, quote, well below the maximum pressure. It was not. Salzman said the pipeline is... TC Energy has been performing round-the-clock air monitoring at the site, Salzman said. In his opening remarks, Salzman said TC Energy recognizes that it must operate with responsibility to the environment. Quote, while we strive for zero safety or operational incidents, our Keystone system did not achieve this goal, Salzman said. Yes, did not achieve that goal. And I want to go over one thing that was mentioned here early on in the article. It says, uh, <clears throat> but on questions of how long cleanup will take, why spills on the Keystone pipeline are becoming more frequent, and how much longer a month-long no-fly zone for drones will prevent news media and other interested parties from viewing the site? Salzman had little to share. What's this about a month-long no-fly zone for drones to prevent media and others from seeing the site? Drone no-fly zone issued over Keystone Oil spill site in Kansas. The Keystone Pipeline spilled 14,000 barrels of oil in northern Kansas earlier. It's also, this is from the Kansas Reflector, which is like uh, related to the Nebraska Examiner. TC Energy has established a no-fly zone over the Kansas site where its Keystone Pipeline spilled 14,000 barrels, barrels of oil following drone footage of the disaster. The Canadian company said in a statement that it did so for safety reasons. But drones footage of the spill, the largest in the pipeline's history, was among the only means of seeing the damage as the site is closed to press. Even lawmakers were not allowed there for a briefing. 
Earlier this month, the Keystone Pipeline spilled near Washington, Kansas, just south of the Nebraska border. So far, TC Energy says it has isolated the spill to keep it from flowing downstream and recovered 7,233 barrels of oil, or 13,877 barrels of oil and water. More than 400 personnel have responded to the site. Drone footage immediately following the spill showed the 14,000 barrels, or 588,000 gallons of oil, turned Mill Creek black. One former Kansas, Kansas legislator said oil had sprayed around 80 yards into his field next to the site. The oil that landed on nearby fields looks like a plume of smoke from above. Show! You can't see the site. Drones, press, even legislators are not allowed. Well, so much for it being uh, the safest pipeline ever. Now, in trying to sell this pipeline, they will tell a lot of lies. I suppose the biggest one is about how many jobs it would bring. I remember when they were having the State Department hearings, all the different signs. Few of them agreed whether it was tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, the jobs. Well, here's one that's just claiming tens of thousands. It's from politifact.com. The cancellation, oh, hundreds of thousands, the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline by Joe Biden, quote, killed hundreds of, job, of jobs and gas prices way up. And as I said, this is from politifact.com. End of Keystone Pipe, their verdict, uh, mostly false. The end of Keystone Pipeline did cost jobs, but most were temporary. So it says here, If your time is short, President Joe Biden canceling the permit for the Keystone XL Pipeline did lead to hundreds of job losses, but most of those jobs were temporary. The pipeline would have created only 35 long-term jobs. There is no relationship between Biden's decision and rising gas prices, as the pipeline wouldn't have been completed yet. And even if the pipeline were completed and operational, it would have neg a negligible impact on the global oil market. And also, I might add that uh, it's not like the oil isn't flowing. It's just being transferred to rail cars and then back to the pipeline. And I think it would actually cost jobs if it were to go by pipeline instead of by rail, since it takes fewer people to operate a pipeline than it does to operate a railroad. Anyway, back to the article. After about a decade of gas prices declining overall, they have skyrocketed this year. Following Russia's invasion of Ukraine on February 24, 2022, gas prices rose sharply, peaking at $4.33 a gallon on March 11th before a slight decline. Then they started rising again from late April. Well, you don't need all this stuff about gas prices. Uh, Tim Michaels, a Republican running for governor in Wisconsin, had a novel approach to the blame game. He attributes the prices at the pump to President Joe Biden's decision some 18 months ago to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline. And let's see when this article was from. Uh, 
This is from June 23rd, 2022, so it's a bit under a year ago. In a video, 23rd, 2022, he said the decision, quote, killed hundreds of jobs, sent gas prices way up, making everything more expensive. In the tweet itself, Michaels wrote that his company, quote, was building the Keystone Pipeline when Biden canceled it. The claim we rated mostly true. Yeah, his company was building the pipeline, and then Biden canceled it. But what about the claim related to job losses and gas prices? Hundreds of jobs were lost, but most of them were temporary. Michael's Core, the construction company Michael co-owns, was awarded a contract to construct eight pump stations in the United States for the Keystone XL pipeline. It was also awarded a contract to construct about half of the Canadian portion of the pipeline in Alberta. So he's got a direct stake in the issue. So let's start with the portion of the claim about hundreds of jobs lost. According to a post on Michael's Corp's website, the company expected to employ more than 350 people for the pump station's contract. Another post on Michael's, Canada, Michael's Canada's website said the company expected to hire 1,000 workers each year over the two-year construction period for the segment of the pipeline's Canadian portion. Thus, Michaels is on the money about the number of jobs involved. But it's important to note that the jobs were temporary. A 2014 State Department report, which provides the most comprehensive estimate of jobs tied to the Keystone XL pipeline project, found that it would support 3,900 direct construction jobs in the United States over one year of construction, or 1,950 per year if construction took two years. Once construction was completed and the pipeline was operational, about 50 total employees were required in the United States, 35 permanent employees, and 15 temporary contractors. Yes, a job is a job, but the fact that most of the jobs created by the Keystone XL pipeline project were short-term is an important detail that Michaels left out. And then we have the part, gas prices completely unrelated to Biden's decision. We'll just skip through that, because that's, I think, fairly obvious. And we'll just get to their R ruling. <clears throat> Michael's claim that by canceling the Keystone XL pipeline, quote, Biden killed hundreds of jobs and sent gas prices way up. He has a point on the loss of jobs, but left out the fact that all but 35 would be temporary. He's way off the mark, though, on the impact of the decision on today's gas prices, even if it had not been cancelled, the pipeline would not be finished today, and if it were, its presence would have a negligible impact on the global oil market. Our definition for mostly false is, quote, the statement contains an element of truth but ignores, ignores critical facts that would give a different impression. That's why we rate this claim mostly false. And, uh, just... A little under 13 minutes left for the show. Still time to call in. It's a call-in show, by the way. Phone number is 402-474-5086. Call in. I'll push the button. You'll be immediately live on the air on the Servative Hour. It's time to deal with this. Kansas Water Authority wants to save Oglava Water Aquifer. And since Kansas is so close by, and that oil spill I was just talking about was on the border, 
and the Ogallala Aquifer runs all underneath us. It's relevant. Same could be said for here. And this is from NebraskaExaminer.com by Allison Kite, 2022. Colby, Kansas. Kansas should scrap its de facto policy of draining the Oklahoma Aquifer, a state board decided Wednesday. Instead, the board said the Kansas government should take steps to stop the decline of the aquifer and save it for future generations. It has taken decades for this to be formally in writing by an official state body, said Connie Owen, director of the Kansas Water Office. This is nothing less than historic, she said. Saving the water source that supports western Kansas economy and communities may seem like an obvious stance to take, but for about 70 years, the state's policies and management decisions have reflected the idea that eventually the Ogallala would dry up, said Earl Lewis, Kansas' chief engineer. The Kansas Water Authority, which is made up of agricultural and industrial water users and utilities, wants to chart a new course. It voted almost unanimously Wednesday to recommend that the state scrap the policy of, quote, planned depletion. It's time to deal with this while we still have some choices, said John Bailey, a member of the Kansas Water Authority from Pittsburgh. If we don't, we're going to find ourselves in a very bad situation. The Ogallala Aquifer, one of the world's largest underground sources of fresh water, stretches from parts of eight states from South Dakota to Texas. After World War II, farmers started pumping water from it to irrigate crops in arid western Kansas, establishing the region as a booming farming economy. For decades, the water was used with little thought of ensuring enough remained for future generations. But now the water is running out. Some parts of the aquifer have half the water they had before irrigation on the aquifer began. Parts of western Kansas have an estimated 10 years of water left. There's little surface water since streams that reliably flowed through the area in 1961 all but disappeared, according to the Kansas Geological Survey. Draining the aquifer would fundamentally change life in western Kansas. Farm properties would lose their value if there's no water to grow a crop, families could lose their livelihoods, and communities could disappear. But while it's widely accepted that the Ogallala is essential to western Kansas, Kansas Water Authority Chairwoman Don Bueller said many farmers have been waiting on the government to tell them it's time to do something. We've heard that over and over from people. I think the importance of today was saying, it's time. A vote to change course. The Kansas Water Authority, which meets roughly every two months in different locations around the state, voted Wednesday to place language in the body's annual report to the governor and legislature, saying the, quote, policy of planned depletion of the Oglala Aquifer is no longer in the best interest of the state of Kansas, end quote. The report will also recommend the state create a formal process to establish goals and actions to halt the decline of the Ogallala Aquifer while promoting flexible and innovative management within a time frame that achieves agricultural productivity, 
thriving economies and vibrant communities now and for future generations of Kansans. It had wide support among the authority members. Quote, my opinion of this is that it should have been done 15 years ago or 20, said Lynn Gosen, a farmer from Colby who serves on the Kansas Water Authority and the board of the Groundwater Management District in northwest Kansas. Gosen said that these there are parts of Kansas where the aquifer still has abundant water left, but that people are, stick, are quote, sticking their heads in the sand rather than saving it. And so... If you want to read that in full, can be found under the headline, It's Time to Deal with This, Kansas Water Authority Wants to Save Oglala Aquifer. And this has been the Servative Hour. Thank you very much for listening. And good night to you all. <laughs>